Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. Well, good morning, Crosswalk. How are you today? You are in the right place at the right time. I'm glad that you are here. It is good to be back as we continue the little letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Today we are in... 1 John chapter 4. Now, as we kind of get going again, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, One, a little bit ago, about three weeks ago, we mentioned that we are about to launch a podcast so that if you would like, whether you share it with friends or you just want to listen back or maybe you miss a week, you will be able to hear the live teachings that happen on our campus, okay? So I don't know exactly when that's going to launch. We're working on it this week, but I know this for sure. By the 17th, that's a week from this Monday, for sure it will be launched and up and and we'll have that backdated into May a little bit. So be looking for that. If that's something you've been asking about, that gives you a little update there. Second of all, now I've not been here for a little bit. In part, I took a week off, but I also took what I have regularly taken for about the last eight years, something I call my unplugged work week. And Rachel, what happens on the unplugged work week is I turn my phone off, I try to ditch as much electronics as possible, and I go somewhere off the grid, and I usually have some project. Sometimes it's uh, reading, this time it was writing. And so over the course of that week, I wrote a series guide for a series that's coming up. And how many of you are writers? Yeah, I, I knew there would be some. There was not a single hand in the first service. That, that, <laughs> there was mine, and I quickly said, but um, I spent that week writing. I'm, I'm not a writer. It doesn't feel native to me. It was a lot of hard work. Um, 31 different 400-word groupings with three questions. at the. That's, and there were 90 different questions by the time it was done. And uh, so I found myself thinking, I tell you what, if I'm putting this work into this, they're going to know about it. So here's the thing. You might not have even realized that right now, whether it be through the app or online, there is a little letters series guide with daily readings and questions and discussion guides and once a week, a small group guide. You might not have even known that. Uh, And in fact, we have available to us the opportunity to get them also in hard copy for those of us that are a little bit more interested in being able to feel the paper. I'm a little bit like that. Beyond that, what we understand is, I'll keep you posted on this, but I believe there will be blank pages each week for you to take notes on the teachings that happen. So it's all together. So it might be something you want. We're trying to be really careful in how we spend God's money. And so we're going to figure out a way shortly. That series will start August 5. We'd like to have an understanding who really wants the hard copy ones because they cost a little something. But we'd like you to have one if you'd like one. So we're going to figure out a little interaction that will allow us to have a decent idea if, if you'd like that. Okay. Um, so now, First John chapter 4. A little bit of a recap. You, you probably were involved over the last couple of weeks and heard Pastor Tim's teachings. We're able to be here for that. But we're going to do a quick flyby of a couple things. We believe this was written by John the Apostle, wrote five different books in the New Testament then. It would be John, the book of the Gospel of John, the book of Revelation, and then these three little letters that we are in right now, First John chapter 5. John has a couple of different names. He was named by Jesus as one of the sons of thunder. 
And maybe because one particular town they went through that wasn't terribly hospitable on the way out, James and his brother John say to Jesus, hey, uh, how, would you like us to call down lightning and thunder and destroy the city? I'm not sure they had that power in them, but they were, you know, just as an offer to you, Jesus, if you'd like, we'll try to call down thunder and lightning. And so it's an interesting thing that he would later refer to himself as the beloved, right? Like, okay, love didn't seem like it was fully invested in who he was there for a little while. And that's kind of a weird thing to call yourself. Though I'm, I'm the one that Jesus loved. Just so you know, there are, you know, there's Judas Iscariot, and there's P- Peter, the, the rock, and there's, there's James, there's Andrew Thaddeus. And then there's the disciple Jesus loved. Until you unpack the original language to understand that the verb there, Jesus loved, could best be translated, I'm the one Jesus kept on loving as if to say I know me you're going to have a view of me after I write this gospel after I write these three letters after I write the book of Revelation you're going to have a view of me that isn't exactly real he knows and keeps on loving me so it's not actually a complete surprise that in these little letters John as he talks he's, he's about maybe 100 years old. Some scholars would suggest this is the last, last set of books written in all of scripture. He's remaining the guy, the one apostle. And so when he would be invited to stand up and speak regularly and people would hush, and he would stand up and he would, either, he would either refer to them as, oh, beloved, which again, unpacking that, oh, the very well-loved ones. Or he would say, my little children. And there's a way you can say that that's kind of a pat on the head that says you're not a a full-grown, fully, I mean, you don't even have a full human space in this room. I'm much bigger than you. No, no, this is an older man that they revere standing up and saying, "You you are my very own children. And then... History suggests he would teach, he would preach, and let me give you a sermon. My children love one another. And then he'd sit down, as some of you might be wishing I would. (laughs) Apologies. My children love one another. At one point, legend suggests he was confronted. You know what? We make this space in this time and we just would love to hear more from you. Why do you only ever say that? And he is supposed to have said, oh, if only we would do that, it would be enough. So, Interestingly, we charge into this particular chapter. Some of you, if I said, okay, so is there a love chapter in the Bible? Some of you would raise a hand and go, yeah, I know the love chapter. I've been at a wedding or two. (laughs) And you would be saying, uh, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 13, on and on we go. Love is patient, love is kind, and we could do this thing, right? In that particular chapter, in 13 verses, Paul uses a word for love 17 times, more than once per verse. Did you know that in 1 John chapter 4, John seems to make a little claim at having written a love chapter. In verses 7 through 21, 
John will write the word love, some form of the word agape, which is that love that doesn't keep score, that, that comes off first, that, that's, that's unconditional. He will use that in the space of 15 verses 27 times. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, a great, great chapter. We're going to get into this. <clears throat> So let's get started. Let's see all about this love, right? So here's, here's, how, here's how John chooses to start. <clears throat> Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Don't count the word love there yet. Okay, go on, John. Test the spirits. You see, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Whoa, I mean... This got a little weird, suddenly. I thought we were talking about love 27 times. We're into the Antichrist? I don't know what is prompted in your head when you hear the term Antichrist. Probably something a bit fiendish, devilish, pitchfork maybe even. You have heard this Antichrist, this spirit of Antichrist is coming and is even now already in the world. Ah, I... I, Dear friends, let's back up. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by the way, there are a lot of descriptions of opponents of God, and some of them are described as a warring faction against God. Some of them, like in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about as people who come and try to pass themselves off as God, pass themselves off as the Christ. So it's an interesting thing. Antichrist might not mean opposite of could it even mean really super close but missing an important detail? I, uh, when I was a little bit younger, was a youth director in Pennsylvania. It's a large state. You can drive all over the place visiting churches and that sort of thing. And back in, in that day and time, <clears throat> uh, we did not have GPS available. Uh, anybody here still, to this day, you have a paper I'll use kind of language like Rand McNally map in your car. You have a huge map in your car. Is there anybody who will raise a hand and just out yourself? Okay, just, and, and this young sir. Very good. Excellent. Well, at that point, if you, which by the way, if you've been driving around with GPS and then have it ever had GPS go out on you when you don't know, I mean, you don't, have you noticed, by the way, we can drive the same place regularly but with GPS and not pay attention enough to be able to drive there then again? Anyway, that didn't happen with maps, just saying. But, you know, and we skated on, on ice skates that we made out of corn cobs with butter knives uphill in the winter and summer, frankly. No, anyway, sorry. No, no. So I'm traveling around the state and I'm making arrangements to show up in Philadelphia, to a church on a Friday night. And this is the, this is the message I am given. So, okay, so, so when you get here, drive straight up to the church and there will be two elders who will meet you on the sidewalk. They will walk beside your car and guide you to another elder who is saving a space for you somewhere. And then those three elders will walk you back to the church because let's just be honest, it's not a super safe area. Okay, 
nifty. Well, the way I would get there, the conference had put out a directory and every church had a bunch of different people you could call or whatever, but they had directions to their church. And so that was like the traveling Bible for me. I would, I would look up with that particular church and I would f- figure it all out. They would have paragraphs if you're coming from the north or the south or the, you know, whatever, right? On this highway. But then you'd get close enough within a certain area, like a mile, and there would be very specific pictorial directions. So I'm in good shape, right? And it's dark and I'm all dressed up in a suit and I'm driving along following the map everything's going perfectly and I make a a right we're almost to this church and I realize I'm going down a dead-end street that I cannot see even a good place to turn around and now as I'm slowing to try to figure this out people on the sidewalk are communicating with me not entirely helpfully they were motivating me though as I try to figure out where to kind of get turned around and back out of there. As it turns out on this map, there was a right turn where they should have put a left turn. You don't need much to be wrong, to be completely wrong. This spirit of the Antichrist, earlier, John has talked about it. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. So if you're thinking devil with pitchfork and horns, Jacqueline, what what this is saying is there could be be any number of. What in the world, John? Calm down. By the way, did you know that John in 1st, John, and in 2 John, he's the only person in Scripture who actually uses the words Antichrist. This guy who talked about love more than anything else, anyone else, is also concerned about this. But as he talks, we start to figure out, as we read, we start to unpack, he's not talking about like demons and devils and people who are atheists and agnostics so much. He is talking about Christians who have either ignored or traded away a a left turn for a right turn. And that's Antichrist. Huh. All right, boy, I sure hope we get to love here soon. He says this, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. He gives out this clue. Look, you want to know about Antichrist? Anyone, anything that diminishes who Jesus is, is Antichrist. Who better to be Antichrist than Christians? Because we can find it so easy to diminish Jesus. All you have to do is make him just one of many things we believe. No, 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 no. He is the only thing. He is everything. And don't misunderstand. I'm willing to walk with you to any page of scripture to talk about Jesus. We can talk about Antichrist. Did you notice Christ is in the middle of that word? Not dead middle if those of you that are kind of distracted by that sort of thing. 
Jesus. Indeed. And of course we know, because we were listening last week and the week before when Pastor Tim talked about things like agnosticism and docetism and dualism. You had that, right? That in fact, part of what was going on is that there were Christians who said something less about Jesus. That Jesus did come, he was a real human being, but he was not God, he had no deity. Or, Jesus is God, has deity, but he didn't really come as a human being. So any way you want to diminish Jesus you are heading into some terrible territory. We, if we're not, you know, if you, I just want to say, we should be proud if somebody were to complain. All they ever talk about is Jesus. Amen. Christ, not the Antichrist. <laughs> and then, in the midst of it, John gives us an inference that we're going to unpack. Do you suppose there is any connection, since he launches this conversation this way, hey, be careful about what spirit you have, what spirit you follow. And by the way, just a little side note, we are very prone to take the words of somebody standing under lights on a stage for granted. We can become followers of this spot rather than Jesus. You can be followers of Pastor Tim or followers of Pastor Dave or followers of fill in the blank. You're in trouble if that's what you do. We need to test the spirit. We ought to be about the fullness of the Jesus who came to this place. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is a spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. All right. So it's possible then, what we're saying is it's possible. We're almost to love, by the way. It's possible for us to fall for a counterfeit. I have been uh, helped deeply by a moment where I made clear I was confused about who it is that looks for counterfeit money and tries to get that off the streets. It's the Secret Service there. I wasn't sure about FBI or, you know, I was pretty sure it wasn't bank tellers, but anyway, it's Secret Service. And you know how they are trained to spot counterfeit money? They are trained to spot counterfeit money, supposedly, by studying the real money. Not by studying the counterfeit, studying the real money. So this is great news. We can get rid of this whole antichrist conversation and go straight to a Christ conversation. Squat down there, focus there. That is our study. You don't have to worry if you're walking with Jesus. Just go where he goes, be with him, and we're in great shape. Jesus is where it is at. And there, there's, there's some interesting news then for a guy who would write this as our intro to a chapter that will say the word love more than anything else. One wonders if he isn't making a claim that if you want to think about the Jesus who came and died for you, we're going to have to talk about love. So, we get into it. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. He actually starts as dearly beloved one the oh, oh ones who are loved let us love one another 
For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He's he's saying kind of, look, the love of God is like a flowing river and you've got a choice. You can have it. You can be in it. Dive in, dive in. Experience the love of God. The thing is, experiencing that love, diving into that river, you're going to be drenched. You ever been hugged by one of your children coming out of a pool? What they got wet with, now you are wet with. Sit down in that chair, almost did it. Sit down in that chair they've been sitting in after being in the pool, in that cushion. Yeah. John is saying, when you get up and leave, if somebody were to sit in your seat, they should squish into the love you've experienced from Jesus. You can't have it this way. You know, all I want from this river of love is a bucket to drink from on occasion. I don't want to get anything on me. Can't get it that way. It's a dive-in kind of situation. And so he says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You have not been, I mean, you've got to get in that whole thing. Ah. So we're going to swim for a few minutes. And in doing so, I want to celebrate this truth, and I'd I'd like to consider, as we study the true and the real, I'd like to consider God is love in three parts. Not that I came up with, parts that John came up with in 1 John chapter 4. So later you can go back and you can kind of read it. By the way, when you read John, it won't be like reading Paul. Paul says, hey, look, I'm going to make a premise right here and now you're going to feel some support for that premise oh there's some natural arguments against that premise I'm going to nail those and I'm going to come back and see there's the premise now we're moving on to another topic that's not the way John writes John does this John says I I had something I wanted to bring up God is love oh and by the way there's this antichrist thing by the way is John is love wait let's go back over here John is God is love not John but John too he says they love one another right and so he does this thing where he keeps going a little ways and then he circles back and goes a little ways and circles back you'll experience Experience that when you read 1 John chapter 4. So we'll jump around just a tiny bit because that's how my mind works, but God is love in three parts. All right, part one, part one. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Go where Jesus is. If you want to know what God is about, go where Jesus is. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. That he loved us. In fact, I love this in John, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Real love. Real love loves first. Have you been loved first before? Nothing you did, you just happened upon it and then you were given love you did not deserve? We probably have all had it. Probably more than once. I, I, think, I think pretty clearly of my mom. Because my mom had this habit. She would come into our room and I say, our, my brother and myself, she would come in. So this would happen at least twice if she ever did it. And she did it regularly, but not every night. And she would tuck us into bed in the covers and, you know, we'd be talking a little bit about what's going on tomorrow and it might even be, okay, remember, you got to do this when you're, 
There could be the questions about whether we had brushed our teeth. All that stuff has already happened. And kisses would be happening on the cheek. And then she would say, and she always did, it might be dark, but I, 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 would, I could hear the smile in her voice as she would say these words. Dave, maybe she just finished it with my brother Lowell and did it again. Or maybe she started with me and was about to go to him, but here it goes. Dave, no matter what you ever do, no matter whether your friends would ever even leave you. Again, it was good that she had a smile in her voice because I didn't feel like she was saying, you know, I've been watching you and I think your friends are likely to not have any. If you do, they're going to leave. Now, that wasn't what was going on here. She was setting up her line. No matter if everything falls apart, I will always love you. I'm, and then she'd get a little stubborn. I could feel it in her clench. Because I'm your mother. I grew up thinking that's the way all, all mothers were. It's only in years since that I've realized not every mother loves first. Do you know what happens when you're loved first? It is wildly motivating. It defines the love of my mom and my dad, defines how I wish my children saw me. Oh, how I would love it to know that someday down the road, there'd be some private or corporate conversation where one of my children would stand up and say, do you know what? My dad, my mom, they loved us first and always. And it changed who I even want to be. See, there's a reaction that's natural to being loved first. When you didn't do something for it, I think sometimes that's one of our big problems with being loving is because we think we only get God's love in some trade. No. He loved you first. Before. You could even possibly love him back. Ah, real love. Love's first. Part two. First John 4, 16 says, and so we know and rely. Park that word. We rely on the love God has for us. Have you relied on that love? See, if you rely on that love, it changes how you experience other people. It changes how you internalize it when somebody does something unloving to you because you rely on something that's stable, that is, well, Jeremiah would say it this way. I have loved you, voice of God. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Today's love of you by God started a long time ago. This is, I have, I loved you before there was a you that anybody could even figure out how to love, I loved you. I made plans about how loving you today would look way long ago. And everlasting, eternal, it goes in the other direction as far as the eye can see, the mind can imagine, and then beyond that. It is everlasting. This is something so incredibly stable. Do you know God's love for you cannot, cannot 
be diminished. There is nothing you can do that would make it larger. It's so big. Some of you, some of us, on certain days, it's really hard to believe this. Because we encounter ourselves in ways we don't, we know nobody else even sees it. Some of us have a a message that is repeating in our heads about how much of a failure we are. And and goodness, it doesn't have to be a made-up situation. It could use actual, real, factual things to demonstrate how unlovable we are. And Jesus marches in and says, no, no. Before time, I loved you. I love you today. And don't you dare say I don't. I love you with an everlasting love. Real love is not fragile. Real love is continual. The thing about an everlasting love means you don't have control over it. The person who loves has control over it. They get to decide if they love you or not, and he has decided. His love is happening right now. It's not like you, not like me, not like the senior in high school I was uh, trying to get along with everybody, trying to kind of get to a place of security in myself. And I had all sorts of kind of internal views that are probably were not all that healthy. And uh, so, but I, I was a student association officer. We had decided this particular week was going to be our spirit week. And back then, in the year of our Lord, 1982, we had something called 50s Day. Look it up. For 50s Day, some of you have seen a picture of James Dean. You didn't even know who that was. But, uh, you know, rolled up jeans and rolled up, you know, we didn't go cigarettes tucked into the rolled up uh, t-shirt, white t-shirt sleeve like some would have, you know, much less refined scenario but then there was the hair and of course we had pretty long hair back in that time again check out a high school annual or something and uh it had ducktails in the hair you know this kind of thing slicked back and I walk into my English class favorite teacher I walk past my favorite teacher's desk and he looks up and he snort giggles that 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 laugh that can't be controlled (laughs) but he didn't stop there He could have, but he didn't. (laughs) What is that? No one in the 50s looked like that. A skinny runt. Uh, Okay. Say what you will. You throw down the S word. And you and I now are locked in mortal combat. And I am willing to play the long game. This favorite teacher of mine, not my favorite teacher. This favorite teacher of mine, I started to realize he did stuff like that to people all the time. It's just that I was on the laughing end of it and didn't realize it. And so you know what I decided I was gonna do? Scorched earth. I was gonna be the problem he had in every class. Why? Because I was not prepared to love like Jesus. Treat me right, or else I will love continually until, hmm? 
unless, unless you complain about me. Send me an anonymous letter and then I will stop loving you quite anonymously. (laughs) And in the midst of it all, Jesus demonstrates an everlasting, a continual love. Is it possible that when I make my love conditional, temporary, short-term, based on you being like me, you agreeing with me, I am embodying the Antichrist? Seems John had a reason to park those two ideas next to each other. And finally, part three. This is such great news. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. How many of you would like to say, you know what, let me tell you about it. I've got confidence in a wide range of things. I've got confidence in my uh, golf game. I've got confidence in my ability to speak and not get nervous usually. I've got confidence, frankly, judgment. One of my more confident areas. No, that's not usually gonna make the list. Because in this world, we are like him. What's this all about? Love. And we love one another. And we love one another first. Before the other person gets a chance to love us. And we love them continually. Whether they love us back or not. And even on the days when somebody who loves you well isn't at their best. I have an everlasting, we are like him. There is no fear, oh my, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Do you know how the world looks at Christianity? Somebody here feels it right now. An awkwardness because being where people are who say they follow Christ is not a safe place. It's a fearful place. Oh, Lord, forgive us if that's true. That means we've embodied the spirit of the Antichrist. For true love casts out fear. I love this from John. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. Oh, If in every one of our planning meetings, in every one of our little groups of leaders and and volunteers, we were to say, you know what, what we're doing today, we do so that they may know. They are safe here. They are loved if every other door they walk through, they are not. They are loved here. Because we are in this river Jesus has created for us. It's the best. Judgment? We've got no fear. Frankly, with this kind of love, we are untouchable. Real love, it just shatters fear. Mm. Safety, belonging, security, care. J.I. Packer wrote a book called Knowing God, and I'm going to read you a quote. What matters supremely, therefore, is not, in the last analysis, the fact that I know God. But the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me. 
I am graven on the palms of his hand. And I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and he continues to know the real me, the me that you don't know. And he knows me as a friend. He loves me, this one. And there is no moment when his eye is off of you, is off of me, is unloving toward me. And no moment, therefore, when his care falters, this is momentous knowledge. God is love. Could there be anything more important to talk about? And so John stands up in Ephesus on a particular day and says, oh, oh, you who are so well loved, love one another because God is love. It is the spirit by which we ought be compared. Thank you for joining us for this teaching. Consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week. If you'd like to support Crosswalk Chattanooga, go to crosswalkvillage.com slash Chattanooga and click the Give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top. Notice the campus drop-down menu and select Chattanooga. And if you'd like to come and worship with us on a Saturday morning, we would love that. When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name.